Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. Who wants to talk about cocaine, Neil Channing? Uh, <laughs> Five-year five bans in Ireland yeah, for I d I d first offence of cocaine. Should that be something we replicate in this country? It's probably not a terrible idea, isn't it? I mean, what's the argument against banning cocaine? I mean, uh, no, no, like... not against banning cocaine. Against, but is a five-year ban too draconian for a first well, offence? I, I must admit, when I read the cocaine. story, I thought, well, that, you know, of course we don't want jockeys taking cocaine and riding, you know, thoroughbreds at forty miles an hour, with, you know, with <laughs> drugs and whatever. But on the other hand, I, the first thing that struck me when I read the story was. You know, is uh, shouldn't we be asking the question why? Why is there a preponderance of young jockeys taking cocaine, mm. and what are we doing to stop them taking it? Um, uh, do the Irish authorities, Joe? Do you think believe that this is just merely a, refle a societal reflection, and there's too many young eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-olds testing positive? Is I that cannot. is that it? Is that what they're trying to to, to stem? Do you know? I'm not naive, and I grew up in London. I've worked in nightclubs. I've anyway. But what shocked me is the, I, I can't tell you how many kids, like young kids from good families, somebody say, yeah, they do lines at breakfast. They do it like cigarettes. But across the board, and, and, and it is a, a massive problem, a massive problem that we are really, I don't think we've seen the beginnings of, of the, the issues it's causing. And I don't know what... I don't know what people can do to, you know, I haven't got a clue, but I think it's absolutely terrifying. And I, I had no idea it was as bad. I know the BHA medical officer, Jerry Hill, is going to look into this next year to see if there's any meaningful evidence to, 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 to push forward longer bans in this country, though they're not dogmatic about doing so. What, what do you think about the Irish policy? I think years, it's a very good, years. I think it's a very good, there has to be a deterrent. But I do also think there has to be the support system mm. behind that as well, yeah. to help these people. These people who are who are taking cocaine regularly need help as well. So yes, the deterrent is good, but we need the support system to help them come away and move on. Here's an interesting one, and I know you both of you will have a view on this. Um, the BHA has uh, ruled that uh, all four feet have to be shod in a in a race now, and you can't take hind shoes off for, for national hunt race. It's been on the flat a long time. You're shaking your head, Lorne. Mm. Why? And Mick, Mick Easterby is railed against this. Why are you shaking your head? Well, who would argue with McEasty? Wouldn't you love <laughs> to be? Plenty of people would argue with McEasty. Wouldn't you love to be that person Absolutely. who did the study that uh, that McEasty read and said, aged eighty-seven, that they were teaching him that he really shouldn't put high shoes on his horses? I think there are two issues. Yeah, but, well, hang on a minute. The study is, is scientifically based. It's based on watching X many races over a period of years that says that uh, on the flat there have been thirty-five percent fewer horses slipping since since slipping since all not shoes falling. Have gone. None of those horses fell. They might have slipped, but they didn't fall. But how many and times did the flat the run on point. the same ground yeah. as the jumping? It's very different. We're, we're talking about jump racing here. Mm. And a lot of horses, when they run jump racing, do run the risk of striking into themselves with the hind leg into the foreleg. Mm. And if this is done as a welfare issue, that we're trying to stop horses slipping, the greater welfare issue is surely that you don't want horses striking into themselves, which, if they have a shoe on, is going to cause far more damage than if they don't mm. have a shoe but, on. But I've heard so many trainers saying this and supporting Mick, Tim, yeah. Harvey Smith, etc. Yeah. But then they'll, on by the same breath, say, but I run all mine with hind shoes. <laughs> it's a personal thing, though, isn't it? Well, it depends where you train. I mean, I couldn't run mine without hind shoes because we have to go down a road to get to the gallop yeah. and then down a stony path on the way home, so they'd always be lame. 
I, if I had the choice and I didn't have to touch a road, I don't know. Will it save the owner's money? Will it help welfare? Possibly. Depends on the horse. It's like Depends the socks the and no socks thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know. You're a socks <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> no. Uh, but what, what you're saying is they shouldn't, they shouldn't mandate the yeah. iron shoes or water. I think this they? is another thing that trainers have found mm. very irritating is that we're being told we have a licence to train. A lot of, you know, some people train for very many years and are being told by someone who's done a survey about it. I think that grates. Okay, uh, Sims. Uh, Lorna, you'll have to tell me who Sims is and why this is significant. Well, this is something that happened um, about a month ago. My husband Alan went to Wade Bridge with a horse. Point who, to point. Point to point. Who ran um, a great race and was second. The horse that he was, our horse was beaten by, was a horse called Double Captain. Double Captain is owned by, I think, probably the wife of Martin Sims. Martin Sims is the director of investigations at the League Against Cruel Sports. Ooh. This horse was qualified or paid a subscription to the Tiverton Staghounds. Wow. Um, Martin has uh, a lot of experience. I have to read here. He's the most experienced wildlife crime expert. Now, this is beginning to get into a bit of a story now. It was featured in the Daily Telegraph today, Sunday Telegraph today, um, that in fact he, the members of his um, team are saying that it is hypocritical. But I think as much as anything, his daughter, Naomi, works for Nigel Hawke. She's 22. She wants to pursue a life as a jockey, a point-to-point -point jockey. Uh, the horse is trained by Joe Tickle, good West Country people. Isn't it great? That our sport, the point of pointing, is doing so well, it's encouraging even our enemies to come and join us. <laughs> Isn't that a good thing? Brilliant. I think it's a really good thing. <laughs> I think is, we must find the positives in this. Instead of sort of running the poor man down, because I think he's going to get quite a lot of grief about this, something tells me. But I think this should be, this is so positive that we really should say that this is great, that we can encourage even our um, people we do see as our enemies in this sport. I tell you what, Alistair Campbell and Peter Mandelson have got absolutely nothing. <laughs> That is, the, that is the best bit Brilliant. of spin on a, on a dodgy story, Neil Channing, I think I've ever heard. I thought, it was, I thought it was quite an interesting story, but I did ask Lorne uh, a question, and she said this is no good because we'd need 20 minutes of talking points, which is, uh, is it possible that point-pointing could run if there was no such thing as fox hunting? We Maybe. haven't got, got time. time. Another day. <laughs> That's another problem. Well, there, no, there is no such thing as fox hunting. You cannot. You, it's, it's, it's against the law to hunt. It's trail hunting, hunting. apparently. Mm. So, Sam Crow. Sam Crow um, has been found to have a deep-seated lung infection. Now, earlier in the week, I. I tweeted that only in, in horse racing could we have a situation that was so perverse that having the knowledge that a horse has a deep-seated lung infection, people could still dismiss his last three below-par runs as simply the product of hype. Um, yet people are fairly cynical about it. Uh, deep-seated lung infection, Joe, how long can that sit there undetected? A long time. I've had a few with have pretty similar in the last year. And you think three months later, you give them a rest, they've had antibiotics, you give them, you know, slowly back into work, and they're blowing and blowing and blowing, and you scope, you can't find anything. It's not till they really put the lungs under pressure that it's in the lungs, and it, it can be there for a long time, believe me, I know better than anyone at the moment. And it takes, takes a, you know, a while to get, to get over it. And, and all the outward signs, the horse looks healthy, there's nothing coming out of his nose, um, there's no coughing, and it's when they really exert themselves that the mucus is pushed out of the lungs 
and then they, it causes them to choke or you, bleed. Could you run a horse two or three times and it oh, not yeah, manifest yeah, itself? Yeah, yeah. I, well, from my point of view, yes. I've, the last year, year and a half has been hellish and it's taught me a lot. So yes, yes you can. <laughs> and oftentimes, Lorne, when horses are dismissed, it is because they have a, an underlying mm. health issue, essentially. It is so often, and, mm. and as Joe was saying, it's often so difficult to see. Obviously, if the horse has mucus coming out of yeah. its nose, or if it was blowing unnecessarily, or has a very high temperature, you can see. Yeah. And those are palpable signs you can see. But if a horse is blooming in its coat, working well, isn't sort of panting as such, no. sometimes when a horse has a lung infection, um, it just blow a little because bit it harder, can't yeah. use can't its use lungs, lungs to the yeah. full capacity. So, you know, those are the signs you can see. Mm. But if it doesn't, but I mean, Gordon Elliott scopes every horse before they're declared. Mm. So, you know, he's a man who's extremely thorough and on top of his game. So it shows that if this has been there unseen for however long, you know, even his vets haven't seen it. So some things don't always show up on a scope, is what you're saying? D well, this clearly hasn't, because it wouldn't have run. Yeah, and it's becoming more yeah. prevalent. It's happening more and more, and that's a whole different subject. But then you get onto the prevalence yeah. of antibiotics exactly. and how strong are they, and but the then immune, that is yeah. another programme. Immune systems, and mm. anyway, yeah. Um, Alizetti this week, as Good Scoop by Bill Barber in the Racing Post, we about scoops with Colin McKenzie earlier on, uh, that the China Horse Club were significant shareholders in Alizetti. Um, should that encourage us that the financial health of the new tote is likely to be more robust with strong international partners or not, Neil Channing? You look rather nonplussed. Uh, well, situation. I don't know. I've read it and I thought, I mean, it's, you know, it's a good story. And Bill Barber, he uh, looked into Company's House. I think, didn't they say... Uh, so Alizetti bought 25% mm. of the tote. With the option bread, to buy the With the world. option to buy the rest. Uh, and um, I think, you know, they've got a series of shareholders and I think they said that they didn't want any one person to hold more than 10% of the mm. bit that they own. Uh, and Alizetti owned 19%. So, uh, that, sorry, um, China the, Horse Club. the China Horse Club owned 19 which I, I don't know whether that's a bad thing or not really. I don't I, I kind of read it and thought, well... You don't care, really, do you? I'm not, <laughs> you basically I, don't care. I sort of thought, I'm this, right there is, with him, this is quite interesting, but I'm not quite sure if it's a front-page story for me. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm quite into gambling, and I follow <laughs> the gambling industry quite carefully. I must admit, I thought, yeah, whatever. The most exciting thing about Alizetti is, in fact, um, Susanna Gill, who is incredibly straightforward. Uh, yeah, you've got to declare, you have to declare okay, your interest in my interest, it. she is my goddaughter. Um, <laughs> but she's gone from Betfair to Arena Racing to Alizetti. Mm. Not only does she do incredibly well at all those jobs, she's running seven marathons in seven days in seven God, different good. continents. Wow. Like, that mean, is amazing. Could you just, wow. could you just get that? <laughs> that was on the screen of the Dusky. Could you just get that crowbar <laughs> out for a moment? <laughs> but no, um, and she's just good. the most incredible girl, and this yeah. is what she does in her spare time. That's so. absolutely brilliant. And mm. You've taken it <laughs> magnificently <laughs> off topic, but, uh, so what's, but seven, mar seven marathons in seven days. I think it's more in, interesting. In seven different continents. That's the first ridiculous. one starts in Antarctica. Oh, yeah. that, is that is ridiculous. ridiculous. No. Susanna? I salute you. You are completely bonkers. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, Barry Hearn. This was A.P. McCoy's guest mm. column in the Racing Post. Yeah. We, need a, we need a benign dictator for the sport yeah. like Barry Hearn. But the sport's multi-various and multi-faceted, so it's complicated. But, Joe, uh, do you sort of identify with the sort of thrust of his argument? I think we, I think we need to bring the sport more together. 
as in we need to bring the factions involved more together and somebody to steer it in the right direction. I think we've got the Horsemen's Group, we've got the NTF, we've got the BHA, we've got the Jockey Club, whatever. I think we need somebody to take everything forward more. Do you, th do you think, from your perspective, from where you're looking at it, mm. you just feel that you don't really know where the leadership's coming from, even if we have a pretty good idea where the leadership's coming from. On the, on the, on the coalface, you're... In the last year, as I said in my blog, I've had f three different questionnaires sent to me by three different parts of racing to fill in about staffing crises. No disrespect, can you not talk to one another and maybe put one together that is possibly better thought out? Um, you know, why, why do we have three different parts of racing asking for our opinions, you know? Um, how much did that cost each part and the marketing company okay. they brought in? and. You Barry, Barry Hearn, I mean, he, he did a brilliant job with darts, mm. having obviously done a brilliant job with snooker, and now he's come back into snooker. But if, if you literally took Barry Hearn and said, right, Nick Russ, you're retired now, Barry Hearn's going to run the BHA, that doesn't really solve it, does it? Because no, the problem no, no, no. is exactly yeah. what you it's said. Struck, There's exactly. way it too many organisations, yeah. all of yeah. which have different aims and objectives, Absolutely. and they don't all have the one objective of no. making racing great again. And that's again, what it is. That's the, that is it. We need to... If, you know, everybody's talking about with crisis here and this and not enough prize money and that. Well, the, the most important thing is to raise the profile of racing mm -hmm. and to include... We're not inclusive enough. People don't know. When I only did a small breakdown of what I, my costs are, no, it's near. But people are like, wow, thanks for telling us. How, how, how come they don't know what's involved? But it's a clearly... I mean, two of the BHA's biggest priorities are incentivising more people to work in racing yeah. and being more inclusive. Yes. And they banged that drum and they banged it hard. Yeah, but they and don't do it. But they are making significant attempts. But I, what I'm saying is, is the message getting through to you and to your staff and to people who are actually sitting there and doing it every well, day? Well, to be fair, possibly, but half the time I don't get time to read the emails, I don't get time to read the papers. <laughs> so, do you know what, maybe I'm talking out of turn, I don't know. You're, <laughs> you're definitely not talking out of turn. You're definitely not talking out of turn. Michael Gove, I just put, they put his name in there to wind yeah. you up, to be honest. He was talking about, this week, I noticed that, he was talking about wife-swapping among the over-50s. <laughs> Any stories about Michael Gove, I can't get past the first kind of two sentences. And that was that was the first two sentences. You read so the whole page. This is not why he's on talking points, you know that, don't why you? Why is he on talking points? Gove's on there because he has said that the, well, the Grand National is the first major sporting event to take place after post-Brexit happened. So he said that the Grand National is the first major event affected by the possible ramifications of Brexit and the breakdown of the tripartite agreement between England, France and Ireland on movement of horses. And it could significantly slow down, according to the BHA, the movement of horses, particularly back to the countries yes. of Ireland and France, yes. not necessarily into, into this country. Well, uh, you know, my, my answer there is very simple. It's a bit late for Michael Gove <laughs> to be telling us about the problems of Brexit. I'm sick of experts <laughs> yeah. anyway. So, I, I, you know, it's, I mean, obviously Michael Gove is in the business right now of warning everybody about a no-deal Brexit because he wants uh, Theresa May's deal to pass on Tuesday. Uh, it's not going to pass on Tuesday. And uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen next, so I, I guess it's kind of pointless speculating. On what it. is going to happen next? Uh, well, I mean, there'll be a call for a vote of no confidence in the government. The DUP uh, 
possibly will go along with that. The, the, the vote may succeed, it may not, it's hard to say. She'll, she's got three days to come back with a plan B. She says she never had a plan B. I don't know. It's a, I mean, in terms of racing, um, I don't know whether... I mean, Brexit's probably not great for racing, really, in lots of ways. <laughs> the master <laughs> understatement! understatement. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, but I don't, I don't get the impression that, uh, you know, people are really planning for it in racing that much. Not really. I've got time. Well, that's one for another day. Perhaps a whole other day. Mm. And, um, and we are looking into that. Right, those you were did our... just put Gove on there to wind me up, didn't you? <laughs> you have the royal about now. swinging. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't think we'd talk about Lord Lucan on this programme <laughs> and finding him and the possibility of being alive. I definitely didn't think we'd be talking about wife swapping in the over 50s, even with uh, Lambourne <laughs> trainers in the room. Right. <laughs> oh, well, that was a low blow. Uh, uh, more, oh, but she's uh, not, I mean, he's, I'm disgusting anyway. Uh, it wasn't yeah. me that said it. He's, he's talked about. <laughs> Too young. <laughs> <laughs> right, those were this week's talking points. <laughs> Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.